listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 15 in just a minute. Colossians 1 verse 15. You know, the interesting thing about um, no matter where you grow up, uh, there's, there's things that become white noise to you. There's things that you, you quit seeing. And that's unfortunate because no matter where you grow up, there, there's things of beauty. There's things to appreciate. So like, man, here in Lubbock, after a while of being in Lubbock, you kind of start to take the sunsets for granted. Like they really, they really are some incredible sunsets, especially after a dirt storm the next day when it clears out, man, the, the sky is so beautiful. And after you've been here for a while, it, you just kind of miss out on that. Or growing up in Florida, I think I for sure took for granted the beach. Like, I love, love it, but now that we're, I don't know, how, how far away from the beach? Like 11 hours? <laughs> a long ways, whatever it is. It's a very long ways. 11 hours at the most. At the most. Man, maybe, hopefully less than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you start to take it for granted that, man, I, I was close. I could, I could see the beauty of the beach all the time. Or for people that grow up in Colorado, it's easy to take for granted the beauty of the mountains. Like if you go and visit there and you, you walk out in the morning, you're, you're kind of in awe of it. But if, you, if you're there all the time, you become dangerously familiar with it. When I say dangerously familiar, dangerously familiar because it's dangerous to not be moved when you're met with something that is magnificent. It's dangerous to not be moved when, when you see something that is amazing. Why is it dangerous? Because like, you're, you're, you're not in touch with reality of what's really going on. There's a danger to growing up here in the Bible Belt. And that is we can get dangerously familiar with Christianity, or maybe more specifically, we can get dangerously familiar with who Jesus is because we, we're just kind of around it all the time. So it's like we hear about it all the time and we forget who he really is. And instead of really seeing Jesus for who he is, all of a sudden, he turns into pocket Jesus. <laughs> See my little pocket Jesus up here? <laughs> Thank you, Howard. <laughs> yeah, we, we get pocket Jesus, and he's kind of like an accessory. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got my little Jesus right here. And he's just kind of with us, and, and we like to use him to poof problems away. If something goes down, we're like, nah, virus, you stay over there. You know what I'm saying? Because we want to, he's like our little protector. But as soon as something could be embarrassing if we have Jesus. We're like, no, you get back in that pocket. I don't want anybody to see you. Get in there. Like, because he's just our pocket Jesus, right? It's okay. Some of you are like, can I laugh? I think I can laugh. It's okay if you laugh. Or, you know, not just pocket Jesus. We often in the Bible belt, but because we're so familiar, again, dangerously familiar with Jesus, we begin to try to bend him to be what we want him to be. So like, he's the welcoming Jesus, or he's like, touchdown Jesus, or he's yoga Jesus. Like we, we make him what we want him to be rather than letting him be who he is. Again, it's dangerous to become overly familiar with Jesus where you're not moved by who he is because Jesus is not a pocket Jesus. He's way bigger, way better than that. Amen. And if this is your view of Jesus, not that anyone really, like if you have one of these in your pocket and you're serious, let's talk after, okay? Um, 
It's like, obviously just a metaphor, but no, there's more to it than that. So many of us, I think we we come to worship or we go through our regular day and we're not, we're not moved to worship Jesus. We're not moved to think about Jesus because we don't have the right perspective of who he is. Some of you, maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're kind of on the fence about it because the reality is the Jesus that you've seen is this Jesus because that's who we've portrayed him to be. And when we want to apologize for that, even as Christians, we often forget who Jesus really is. We become blind to it or it becomes white noise and then we don't represent him well. Who is Jesus? Doesn't say everything about who Jesus is, but this passage in Colossians gives us some pretty good insight into who he is. So don't just take my word for it. Listen to the apostle Paul. Speaking of Jesus, he says he is the image of the invisible God. So here's the first point. I think Adam's got me. Man, what a guy. Adam Rickman, appreciate that. He is the image of the invisible God. It means Jesus is the perfect picture of God. So when you look at Jesus, you see who? God. If you've ever wondered, man, what is God like? You look to Jesus. He's the perfect picture of God. Here's what's amazing. In Jesus, he makes the unknown known. What seemed far and distant and confusing about God is now close and near and understandable understandable because in Jesus, he spoke in a way that we could understand because God himself took on flesh and blood so that we could see God for who he is. When we look at Jesus, we're not just looking at a good teacher. We're not just looking at someone who had some rules. No, we're looking at God. Perfect picture of God. You know, a good communicator if they're talking about something that is difficult to understand, something that's abstract, and they want to make it concrete, more understandable, they'll say, hey, let me show you a what? A picture. Let me give you a picture. I remember when uh, I was in college and I had this friend named Brittany, and for like two years, she'd been telling me about this girl named Lauren, who's now my wife, by the way, um, tell me about her. And I eventually got interested enough that I was like, hey, I, you're saying all these things that kind of make sense, but let me see a picture, Right? And as a side note, like any typical guy, when I saw she was pretty, I was like, yeah, I'll talk to her. It sounds like a great idea. <laughs> but honestly, seeing the picture of Lauren, oh, okay, like what seemed like this abstract idea of a young lady, now, okay, I can see it. it's concrete. It's, it's real to me. That's, that's what Jesus says. God, as a good communer, communicator, said, hey, let me show you a very clear picture of who I am and sent Christ. And if you're like, well, like, I, didn't, I wasn't alive 2,000 years ago, so I don't know what it looked like. You look to Scripture, amen? As you look to the words of Scripture, you see who Jesus not just was, but who he is. He is the perfect picture of God. And he, Paul's just getting going. He says, he is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. I love this. Here's our second point Paul gives us. Jesus is the reason you exist. He's the reason you exist. And there's two thoughts here. He's the reason meaning like he made you. You exist because Jesus 
made you. I think Cole and I were talking, we used to have this idea, I don't know if you guys did growing up, of like, God made everything, and then later Jesus showed up. No, Jesus was part of the work of creation. He made, not just you, he made everything that exists. When it says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, it's talking about the spiritual realm, that Jesus has authority as the creator over everything, even not just physical, but even spiritual. He is the ultimate authority. So you don't have to fear another spiritual realm or the demonic realm because Christ, is, as the creator, is authoritative over all. He's the reason you exist, because he made you. I said there was kind of a two-thought process here. He's the reason you exist because he made you, and he is the reason you exist. He's the purpose. He's the, he's the why behind your existence. That's what it says. All things, and then in verse 16, it says, all things were created through him and what? And for him. You exist for Jesus. That's your purpose. I love what Augustine said, St. Augustine, he said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. Because you were made for relationship with Jesus. You were made to live for Jesus. Ben Stewart, he's a, a pastor in D.C., he says, God is not an accessory or periphery, a.k.a. pocket Jesus. He is centrality. All of your life is about him. I referenced Blaise Pascal a few weeks ago, uh, 17th century mathematician, physicist. He said, all men seek happiness. It is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. Here's what's so cool. This is like a life hack right here. When he says, you're made for Jesus, it's not just like, now I gotta live for him. I think he's also saying, your greatest pleasure, your greatest purpose are found in Christ. Your greatest happiness, your greatest joy are found in Christ because you're made for him. Make sense? It's almost like a little bit the idea of like when you, when you find your quote, soulmate, like, man, you complete me, right? Not that we complete God, he doesn't need us, but he does complete us because we were made for him. I think about, I was gonna have Colin come up here, but uh, for the sake of time, I decided not to. But think about Colin and Luke too, man. Both of them shredding on the guitar. Colin, is it okay if I pick up your guitar? I'm gonna break it. <laughs> I'll stay really close so I don't hurt, do any damage. I know nothing about electric guitar. Um, this guitar was made, and they did a good job. It looks really pretty, whoever made it. <laughs> Beautiful, sorry. It's like, don't call my guitar pretty. <laughs> it looks really awesome, manly. If this guitar, you know, one day, likely, it will be in a music museum since Colin's been playing it. <laughs> He's like, shut it. Um, let's say it was behind a glass wall, like an encasement, whatever. It would be really pretty. It would be cool to look at. But it would not be reaching its maximum potential just being looked at. It reaches its maximum potential for, not that guitars have feelings, but for joy and really for the joy of others when it's in the hand of the master, right? Luke or Colin. 
I thought about having him come up and play because, again, as awesome as this guitar is, looking up here, it doesn't mean much. Like You probably haven't even thought about it until I picked it up a second ago. But if one of those guys was up here shredding on it, like, man, that's amazing. It was made to be played. Your life, apart from the creator, Jesus, it's okay, but it reaches its maximum potential in the hands of the master. You with me? Because you were made to be in the hands of the master. Your greatest pleasure and your greatest purpose are to be found in Jesus. And when you find your greatest purpose, you're going to find your greatest pleasure. When you find your greatest pleasure, you're going to find, excuse me, you're going to find your greatest purpose. And both your greatest pleasure and your greatest purpose are found in the person of Jesus. Y'all with me? You were made for him. He's not just a little pocket Jesus. You're made for him, to serve him, to honor him. Now, if you're like, bro, maybe you're not feeling too good because I'm not sure I buy this, like the greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction in life, the greatest pleasure, the greatest purpose in life could be found in, in relationship with Jesus. I'm not seeing that. I would argue to you, if that's your, if that's your objection, that's a fair objection. Like, that's, if that's what you're feeling, that's okay. I would argue if that's what you're experiencing in your heart and your mind right now, you probably have a little more of a view of Jesus like this than you think you do. Does that make sense? If I'm just like, there's no way my greatest joy could be found in Christ, I probably have a very small, limited perspective of who Jesus is. Jesus is the reason you exist. And there's no one greater you could exist for, no one greater you could live your purpose for. Because look at this, look at what verse 17 says. It says, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. So the way we could word this kind of into one phrase, Jesus has forever held all things together. That's our third point. G- Point. Jesus has forever held all things together. So he's always existed. He's always been around. He's eternal. That is a lot of candles on your birthday cake, right? He's always been. If you're like, now, wait a second, Brandon. I thought Jesus was born like 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. <gasps> you're right. That is when God the Son put on human flesh. But God the Son, who we call Jesus, has always existed. He, he stands outside of time and sees time before it began. He sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning because he has always been. Man, that's someone worth trusting, right? And not just that, it says he holds all things together. So as the creator of the universe, he's not just the creator, he's also the sustainer. So he literally holds everything together. The fabric of not just you, but the fabric of the universe is held in the hands of Jesus. That's why we teach the song to little kids. He's got the whole... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because he, he literally does. It's not just like, oh, that's cute. Like this guy can't hold nothing, right? 
Jesus holds the whole world, not just in his hands, but together. Think about this. I've said this before, but even on the cross, Jesus let the men who were nailing him to the cross, he let their hearts keep beating. He, he gave them breath to breathe. He helped the plants to keep spinning in the right orbit, even as he hung on the cross. That is some power. Amen? Jesus has always been, always been will be, and he holds all things together. He is the one who has forever held all things together. And it doesn't always feel that way, I know, because our perspective is limited. I I think the way, when I read that verse, and when I'm like, man, I always feel that, it makes me think of of our our kids. Even now, I mean, they're, they're two, and this still happens, where they're hungry and they want a snack, and I'm like, I'm going to get you a snack. I give you my word. Like, I will get you some cold milk and some goldfish. Like, I am on this, right? We put them in their chair, and you would think World War III is happening. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you parents are like, mm-hmm, because they're in their chair, and they're facing the window, whatever, and I'm back here in the, in the, I said the closet, in the pantry getting uh, their goldfish and getting the milk. Because they can't see me, they are losing. Dad, 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 I want some milk. And you're like, just, I, it's coming, I promise, right? I got this. I'm going to hold it together. We've held your lives together for two years. I think we can get some milk and some goldfish, right? But because it's not right in front of them, because they can't see it, they feel like I've just forgotten about them, abandoned them, and they'll never eat again. And as frustrating and silly that is as a father, sorry, I think that's how we are a lot of times with our relationship with God. We can't always visibly see how he's holding all things together. And so, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. And he's like, hey, I've always been. I always will be. I've always held things together. I'm still holding things together. Shh. Trust me. Be patient. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, when you can't trace the father's hand, you can't see exactly what he's doing. You can trust his heart. He's always been good. He is good and he always will be good. He's always held things together. He's holding things together. He always will hold things together. Man, what a good word for our world right now. Amen? Everything's falling apart. What is happening? I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I do know this. Jesus is holding all things together. He's not surprised about what's going on. He's got this. When your family feels like it's falling apart, man, what is going on? Jesus says, hey, I got this. I can hold you together. When your life feels like it's crumbling to pieces, Jesus says, hey, I can hold, if I can hold the universe together, I think I, think I can handle you, Brandon. You're not that big a guy. I got this. You can trust him. He has forever held all things together. Man, he's not done. Verse 18 says, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, the church. Means Jesus is the leader of the church. That's the the fourth point. He is the head of the church. Good news, y'all. Brandon Hayes is not in charge of the venue. Jesus Christ is. Good news, y'all. We love Pastor Dr. David Wilson. I'm about to throw a bishop in there too. We love Pastor David Wilson, but you know what? He's not the head of Southcrest. Guess who is? Jesus Christ is. Man, we love David up here leading worship, but you know what? Jesus is not in charge of the worship at Southcrest. Jesus Christ is. That's why we do difficult things as a church because Jesus, our leader, the head of the church, calls us to do difficult things. That's why we love people even when they don't seem so lovable because Jesus, as the head of the church, calls us to love people even when they're not very lovable. He is the head of the church. He is our leader. So we're gonna 
trust him. We're gonna follow him. We're gonna lean into him. Again, Jesus is not just this old little teacher that taught 2,000 years ago. No, he is in charge of the largest organization in the world. Man, pretty cool thing to be the president. Pretty cool thing to invent something. Jesus says, I didn't just create the world. I didn't just create the universe. I don't I just hold it together. I'm also in charge of the church, God's people. And there's a really good reason why we trust him as the head of the church. The rest of verse 18 says, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now here's the fifth thing. Jesus is the way maker. And this is such a cool truth. We're gonna unpack this a little bit. Jesus is the way maker. I know it doesn't say that word, but some context, I think you'll understand why I'm using that word. So, so we're not confused. It says he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Back in verse 15, he says he was the firstborn of all creation. There's, there's two different ideas here. Firstborn, especially in biblical context, can refer to, to two different ideas. Firstborn as in rank, supreme, and firstborn as more of a literal understanding of like the firstborn. Like I'm my older sister, she is the firstborn of our family. So there's position of rank firstborn, which is what he's referring to in creation, that he's the firstborn of creation, not that he was the first one born, because we know he wasn't born because it says that all things were created by him. So it wasn't that he was like, oh, the first little baby. No, he's the position of rank, the highest, supreme over creation, the king of creation. Here, he's using the other idea of firstborn, that it's literally like he's the firstborn from the dead. So now we have a differentiation. Let's read it again. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. When it says he's the beginning, so just as Jesus is the author, the beginner of what you could call physical life, of creation, he's also the author, the starter, the founder, the beginner of spiritual life. That spiritual life begins with who? Jesus. That's a pretty cool thing. Because of Jesus, your spiritual life with God can begin. How is that? Because he is the firstborn from the dead. So over and over again through scripture, there were so many people that they hoped would be their leader, be their quote, savior who would redeem them, restore them, make them right with God. And every time they died and that was it. Jesus lived the perfect life. Then he died, but he didn't stay dead. <laughs> Three days later, he got up from the grave, the firstborn from the grave, the firstborn, excuse me, the first ever to conquer death, hell, and the grave so that no longer do we have to be slaves to sin, no longer do we have to be captives to sin. No, we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus when we place our faith and trust in Christ. That's why it says firstborn. So he, for the first time, conquered sin, hell, and the grave. And when you place your faith and trust in him, you get to be the secondborn, the thirdborn, and the fourthborn, or whatever it is, because you're trusting in Christ. And his victory is now your victory. Y'all with me? When there was no way, when it seemed impossible to have a relationship with Christ, Christ made a way. 
He is the way maker. You can't do it on your own. You can't earn it. You can't prove something. You can't keep your salvation by how good you are. No, it's based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and amen, his resurrection. We don't just celebrate his resurrection on Easter. We celebrate his resurrection every day. He is the firstborn from the dead. That's what getting a little excited about. He made a way. We're gonna sing a song later uh, called Graves in the Gardens or something like that, grave in the garden. Yeah. That's the idea that Christ took a grave, <laughs> representative of hopelessness, death, confinement, captivity. Because of his victory over the grave, when we die to ourselves and place our faith in Christ, he turns a grave into a garden. I actually had the privilege to go and see the grave where Jesus laid, and it actually is a garden now. Like, like literally, it's a garden. <laughs> he turns graves into gardens because he is the way maker. If you're like this morning, man, I just wish there was someone who could show me what Jesus looks like, like what, I mean, excuse me, what God looks like. What, what is he? he feels so distant, he feels far away, he feels unknowable. What is he like? Jesus says, hey, look at me. I'm the perfect picture of God. So, man, I wish there was someone who could just kind of do something new in my life. I wish there was someone who, man, could give me some purpose in life. Jesus says, hey, I'm the reason you exist because I created you and I'm the reason you exist because your purpose, your greatest pleasure is gonna be found in me. You're here this morning, you're like, man, I thought my life is falling together. Jesus says, hey, I am the one who has forever held all things together. Turn to me. You're like, man, I wish I could get plugged into community. I wish someone could help me with that. I wish someone would give some direction to our, our small group, to our Sunday school class. Jesus is like, hey, I'm the head of the church. You can turn to me. You're like, man, I'm here this morning and I feel distant from God. I wish I could have a relationship with God. Jesus says, hey, I'm the firstborn from the dead and in me, you can have new life. Jesus is bigger and better than anything or anyone. That's why it says he, oh, <laughs> he is preeminent. It means that he far surpasses anything or anyone else. He is far better. Nothing compares to him because he is the best. And what proves it? His resurrection, that he's the firstborn from the dead. No one can say, well, actually, I conquered death. The only one that could do that is Jesus. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, only Jesus. The firstborn from the dead. He's better. He's better. Nothing compares See, he's not, he's not a little pocket Jesus. He's preeminent Jesus. Bigger or better than I could fathom. Maybe you're this morning, you're like, Brandon, that, that's, that's cool, but what does that have to do with my life? Everything. <laughs> Because he's preeminent. It means he's, he's the best. Brandon, it seems like this sermon is just kind of all about Jesus. Right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because he's preeminent. It's all about him. The larger, I'm not a scientist, so just hang in there. <laughs> You're like, oh, I didn't know that. The larger an object, the greater its gravitational pull. And the closer you become to an object, the greater is gravitational pull. The larger your perspective of Jesus, the greater his pull on your life. You with me? 
The, and the closer you become to him, the stronger your life begins to orbit around his life. So if you have no view of Christ as supreme and Lord, you're not gonna order your life around him. Rather, you're gonna hope that he'll bend to your will. So the question this morning is, are you hoping that Jesus will bend to do what you wanna do? Are you bowing to him as supreme? As Jesus, is Jesus just a little cute accessory for you or is he absolutely everything? To not know Jesus as sovereign, as supreme, is to not know him as savior. So the question again this morning is, are you orbiting, excuse me, yeah. Is Jesus, are you hoping Jesus kind of is a little genie in a bottle and orbiting around your life? <laughs> or do you orbit your life and center everything, build everything in your life on him as supreme, as everything, as all that matters? There's nothing and no one bigger or better than Jesus. He is the perfect picture of God. He is the reason you exist. He has forever held all things together. He's the head of the church and he's the way maker. I did a really bad job this morning if you walk out and go, man, that's cool. Learn some things about Jesus. That's a good start. That's a good start. But Paul did not write this so that you would have some head knowledge about, man, Jesus, he's, he's a pretty cool guy. We have this in scripture, so it will lead us to worship. If I don't worship Jesus, then I don't understand who he is. If I'm not drawn to be in adoration of who he is, my perspective is way too small. We're gonna enter a time of, of response here in a second. And I think today, um, I, man, some of y'all came early and even are ready to be the prayer partners. I, I wanna encourage us maybe today uh, to, just, to just worship. And afterwards, uh, myself and several others will be back at the Welcome Center and would love to, to talk with you if you have a response that you wanna, man, you wanna come to know Christ as your savior. Maybe you just want some prayer. We'd love to engage with you that way. But I think for this time, I want us just to worship and think about who Jesus is. Maybe as a believer this morning, you would admit you've become dangerously familiar with Christ. You've, you've not been in awe of who he is. You've kind of forgotten who he is. I'm gonna ask you during this song to ask the Lord just to open your eyes to who he is, to remind you that he's better than anything or anyone. If you're not a Christian this morning, I wanna encourage you, really beg you to trust him as your savior, to realize that nothing compares, nothing satisfies like him. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sins and make you into a right relationship with God. I'm gonna ask you to surrender your all to him this morning, to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've made a wreck of my life, but that you made a wreck of your life on the cross so I can have a relationship with God. And I wanna trust you with my life. I wanna follow you as my Lord and Savior. In that moment, he saves you. And if you do that this morning, as we say, I'd love to talk with you in the back afterwards and see what God's doing in your life. We're gonna sing a new song this morning. I kinda, uh, just to brag on David and Allie, I literally texted them yesterday. I was like, this is a sweet new song. Think we could do it tomorrow? And they were up for it. I was like, man, how cool are they, right? Not as cool as Jesus, by the way. But anyways, um, 
Then I hope you all will try to sing along with us. We posted it on social media, so maybe you're a little bit aware of it. But um, man, this song just proclaims that there's no one like Jesus. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing that and worship together. Jesus, thank you that you're so patient and forgiving. Oh, me and so many of us, so often we live our lives like your little pocket, Jesus, and not preeminent, not supreme, not the best. Thank you that in spite of that, you you love us and because of the cross, you still call us friend. Well, we we wanna leave that behind. We wanna throw away our pocket, Jesus. We wanna start seeing you for who you really are. So many of us have had good glimpses of, of who you are, but we often forget or get distracted by the things of this world. Or we're, we're satisfied, as C.S. Lewis said, we're satisfied with so many lesser things. <laughs> Pray that you would rid those habits, those patterns, those false ways of thinking and viewing you that hinder us from really seeing you, from really knowing you. God, I pray that as we sing this song, even this week, as we dig into scripture, as we talk with people and go through our life and as we see the sunrise and the sunset, that we would remember who you are and that our lives, as we get a bigger perspective of you and as we get closer to you, that our lives be drawn faster and harder around your life. That everything we say, everything we do, everything we think, everything we believe, everything we feel will be centered on, will be based on, will be founded on you. That you would not be periphery, but that you would be our everything. That you would not be an accessory, but that you would be our foundation. God, open our eyes. The fact that there's nothing better than you. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.